Today, I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 30. Pastor Connie examines what it really means to have a testimony about God's work in our lives. Let's listen together. You have something to say. Some of you already know this. You find it quite easy to say something in most settings. People respect what you have to say. They listen. Some of you know that you have something to say, but you find it hard to say it out loud. It's hard to get a word in edgewise in some conversations, and your voice is not as loud as others in the room. It's almost easier not to try. And some of you don't know that you have something to say. You're not sure anybody would be interested in anything you have to say, and you're not sure what you can add to the conversation. But you, all of you, have something to say. In particular, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have something to say about him. You have something to say about your walk with God. For many of us, this might be the hardest thing to say. We are in a sermon series entitled Sermon, Sermons from Selfies, whereby we are looking at the selfie culture and seeing parallels in our faith walk. Selfies have been a fabric of our lives for years. Have you ever thought TMI when somebody is point, posting countless selfies of themselves? Parents, do you worry about your kids posting too much? There are some things, after all, that should be private. And selfies are about showing the world who you are. Today, we're talking about selfies as testimony. And what I'm saying is that all followers of Jesus have something to say about our relationship to Jesus. And I am encouraging you today that this is one aspect of life which should not be private. You know the old saying, never talk about politics or religion in polite company? Well, Weird Al Yankovic has his own twist. He says, if you want to avoid heated arguments, never discuss religion, politics, or whether the toilet paper roll should go over or under. Talking about areas of disagreement is tricky even when you live in the same house together. The original kernel for that saying came from Mark Twain, and given that people are not holding themselves back when they're talking about politics, his original quote makes a lot of sense. He said, I am quite sure now that often, very often, in matters concerning religion and politics, a man's reasoning powers are not above the monkeys. There's a lot of folk wisdom in those sayings. We have all witnessed conversations, these kind of conversations which get out, hand, out of hand. We have been present for some ham-fisted, heavy-handed conversations that end up riling everyone up. And I am not venturing into the political side of things, but I am insisting that when you are following Jesus, you have something to say and you should say it. Some people would characterize this as religious conversation. They might find it off topic. So today we're gonna to talk about what we have to say and how we should say it. We are reading in Psalm 30, verse one. It starts off saying, I will extol you, 
O Lord. Praise is the very first thing we have to say about God. Our encounters with God make us aware that we have approached the unapproachable, touched the untouchable, that we, creation, have connected with the great uncreated creator, and that that impossible chasm between us has been crossed in our connection with God. So there is so much to praise God about. Everything in the created order, in between the star, which we examine by telescope, and the cell, which we examine by microscope, creates in us an awe and wonder of our God, which must come out in praise. Through God's creation, we see clearly that the creator is awesome, that praise belongs to God. So is this what the psalm is going to direct us as our something to say? Let's read it more fully in verses 1 through 3, Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol, restored my life from, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. So you see, he's saying, no, creation, creation is what's out here. But the writer will center his psalm here, in me. He goes right to me. So this psalm is going to be all about me. And when it comes to me, I am the expert of me. And this gives us our first direction about what we have to say about God. The thing we have to say about God, paradoxically, is all about me. The thing you have to say about God is all about you and what God has done for you and what God has done for me. Extol is the Hebrew word for praise, admire, worship, and it takes its root from a word that means to lift up. And the play on words in the first verse is that God has drawn me up, our verse says. And literally, that word refers to pulling a bucket out of a well. So the writer is saying, I will raise my praise to you because you have raised me, O Lord. Do you share that experience of the psalmist? He's saying, I was down, I was in a pit, a well as deep as death. I cried out to God for help, and he healed me. He pulled me up when I thought I was forever stuck. He rescued me. He brought me back to life. He pumped new life in me. God lifted me. So now I'm going to lift him in praise by praising him, and not just in my inner being, not silently, but I'm going to tell others about that. Now, maybe that hasn't happened to you as dramatically as it happened to Matt Denny less than a month ago. He's on a, on a little trip this weekend. He told me, I called him to say, can I share this? He said, oh, yes, but I'm not going to be there on Sunday because I'm out of town. A group, as a group of medical professionals, he told us, were working over him using their professional expertise. Matt told us he had accepted that he was going to die. He wasn't going to make it. And yet here he is, unexpectedly alive. God could have very naturally, very easily taken him at that point, but God gave him life instead. And Matt has told us he has a new outlook, a new way of looking at life as a result. And this is exactly what, the same thing that has happened to the psalmist. Well, not 
a pulmonary embolism necessarily, but the expectation that he was going to die and being surprised by God with healing and life instead. And this is the exact same thing that happens to us. Maybe not necessarily 12 crowd, crowd of medical professionals working frantically on us, but we too have received healing and restoration to life from God, the gift of new life from God. We have received generous gifts to God when we cry out to him in pain. And this is something we can say because it happens to us in different ways, in different measures, in different degrees. All those who have experienced a gift-giving, life-giving God, this is something that we have to say. So no wonder the psalmist testifies to others, encouraging them to join their praises to his own. In verse 4, he goes on, sing praises to the Lord, O you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. And this verse is not just an encouragement to others, but a life commitment verse. When we have been given life by God, is it too much to bear witness with our life to what God has done? Two verses, two words, two verbs dominate this verse. Praise and thanks. And they will dominate the last verse of this psalm, so be on the lookout for that. But they describe a shift in purpose of life. Any life touched by God must give witness to the goodness of God. Psalm 30, verse 5, 4 God's anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Well, God's anger and weeping, you know, it's not that we don't, don't experience hardships in our faith walk. It won't always be smooth sailing, but here the psalm looks to the future, and we can see up ahead on the road and the finish line, and the prize is the favor and joy of God. We can, in faith, say something about this too. We can hold on in the hard times to the promises of God. We can experience the deep undercurrents of peace beyond understanding. We can be assured that God is the one holding on to us when we don't feel like we can hold on to him. In faith, we know that God will bring us through and that he has good in store for us. We have something to say about that. But there is also something to be said about the weeping. Verse 6 through 10. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you had established me as a strong mountain. But right here in the middle of verse 7, there's a very abrupt shift. You hid your face. I was dismayed. Things were going well until they weren't. And I experienced that as you, God, removing your favor from me. I experienced your silence, God. I can't feel your presence. Verse 8, to you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death 
If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. I need you, Lord. Where are you, Lord? We'd have thought that once we've been saved from the pit, we would never have to return to it. And it's unclear whether the pit here in these verses is, is the same as the pit in verse 1, like whether it's just a reprise of God's original rescue back in that pit, or whether it's a new and different pit altogether. Because God rescued us yesterday, yes, but he's going to have to rescue us tomorrow. Down the road, we'll meet a different set of circumstances and we'll meet new challenges and we'll suffer again and we'll cry out to, get to God again. I really enjoyed worshiping this week to the Brooklyn Tabernacle, Tabernacle Choir's rendition of Tremaine Hawkins' gospel song, I Never Lost My Praise. And if we were able to sing. If our choir was able to just throw their aerosols around without anyone getting sick, I would have requested this song. And I, so I can hear them in my mind's eye. I'm just going to walk you through it. Lauren is on the piano. And Brenda would start off, oh, I've lost some good friends along life's way. Some loved ones departed in heaven to stay. But thank God I didn't lose everything. I've lost faith in people who said they cared in time of my crisis they were never there but in my disappointment in my season of pain one thing never wavered one thing never changed and then the choir comes in I never lost my hope I never lost my joy I never lost my faith but most of all I never lost my praise and then Robert Devon's going to stand up for his solo oh I've let some blessings slip away when I lost my focus and went astray, but thank God I didn't lose everything. I lost possessions that were so dear. I lost some battles walking in fear. But in the midst of my struggles, in the season of pain, one thing never wavered, one thing never changed, and then the whole choir comes in. I never lost my hope, and then we're going to be standing up at this point. We're going to be clapping. I never lost my joy. I never lost my faith. But most of all, I never lost my praise. Ooh, it would be such a comfort to hear the choir sing that song and all of us joining together in praise, except that it might not be true of all of us. Some of us may have lost our hope, and some of us may have lost our joy for a season. And some of us may have felt like we lost our faith because we can't feel our faith like we did before. And some of us may indeed have lost our praise. Sometimes when people go through deep waters, they don't want to be in church. The praise is not where they're at. It's hard on them. They don't want to cry through the entire service. I've had many, many people tell me over the years this. And I want to say that this, too, is something that we should say in suffering, something we have to say. I call it the yet time. 
I can't feel my face, someone says, and in my mind I complete the sentence, yet? I can't praise, someone says, and in my mind I say, yet? That yet time in between the season where once hope, joy, praise, and faith came naturally out of us and we were basking in the blessings of God, but then a season of suffering came upon us and hope, joy, faith, and praise are not easy. And this is something we have to say because it's honest. Because it's also what we experience from God, the withholding of easy blessing, the hiding of God's face, the dismay of not feeling him near, the cry of prayer when we're not even sure he's listening, the receiving a no from God over a previous no, over a previous no. And this is something we must say about God because it's all about God and me. And the truth is, I don't get why God withholds his favor beyond what is comfortable for me, beyond what I think I can bear into real suffering. And so my prayers consist of why and how and where, and there's no easy answers. In my prosperity, the psalmist said, I said I shall never be moved. Well, that's a false sense of security. It's a state of affluence in which it's easy to take some of the credit to say, look at what I built with my own hands. In a state of affluence where we should be the most thankful and the most praise-filled it's surprising that it's so easy to lose sight of the giver. Hear the word of the Lord in Jeremiah 22, verse 21. I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said, I will not listen. And this has been your way from your youth, for you have not obeyed my voice. Whereas suffering moves us deeper, beyond our feelings, beyond our circumstances, to a faith that we cannot see, we cannot hold it in our hands, but we are forced to look beyond the horizon so that we find God at our lowest place. And where we feel God less, there is God. We can't know this without suffering, and we can't know this without faith. So that the next time Next time around, beyond suffering, beyond prosperity, and then into suffering again, and then beyond suffering, we can say, along with the writer, the last words of the psalm, verse 11, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my soul may praise you and not be silent, O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. We will get our praise back because that's the God we worship. We are not abandoned. God walks us through suffering to the other side. God can and will turn mourning into dancing. God can return joy, clothe us with joy. And the language of dancing and joy is praise and thanks. God is good all the time. 
Whatever season of life we find ourselves in, we have something to say to each other, to the people around us, to the people we connect with. Robert and I have been watching The Underground Railroad. It's based on a book by Colson Whitehead by the same name, and it's an account of a runaway slave who rides a literal underground railroad in her attempt to escape slavery. Her name is Cora, and at each station, she must put her name in a book. And at a certain point, she ends up in a railway station in Indiana. So I want you to see this clip here, if we can get it up. Next. Where are you coming from? Indiana. Name? Randall. Poor Randall. Free or runaway? I'm not sure. Where have you given testimony? I told my story in, in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Tennessee. That's a long ride. So they say. And what about Indiana? Excuse me? I told your story everywhere else. What about Indiana? Oh, I told it. Yeah. But did you tell it? Did you really tell your truth? Finding a Cora Randall in here. Well, that can be. But it is. Now, in order for us to move you forward, we are required to confirm your testimony. She hadn't told her story in Indiana. She'd been guarding herself. She'd been very, very private. She'd been through so much. So Cora now must go before the black community in a church and stand there in front of the church and give testimony before she is allowed to move on. She had to tell the good parts. She also had to tell the bad parts of her story that were unflattering to her. You have something to say in testimony when you're walking with God. And maybe we don't get to move forward until we've said it. Or maybe it's that another person who really needs to hear it doesn't get to move forward until you've said it. Something 
about your walk with God. So your testimony is important. Whom are you going to tell this week? How will you testify this week? Let's bow our heads. Lord, we see how when you do a great thing, it is so easy to talk about what you have done for us. And we see how sometimes we hold back in telling our testimony because there's parts of it we don't like or parts of it where you're not clear or we're shy or we're private or we just are afraid that people will react to us in a way that we don't want to receive. And so I pray, God, that we would be able to see you clearly this week. And even if we don't, that we would be able to speak our testimony this week. And help us all to move forward in this way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabackprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.